Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, folks, what I'd like for you to do right now is I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to focus on verses 3 through 8 today. Now, if you remember, we're, we're doing this study through 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and we're really focusing on the theme, and I think it's very appropriate for you and I where we live today really looking at the whole issue of peace, having peace in the coming storm. And really, that's what's happening around us. You say, well, it seems like we're in the storm right now. No, no, it's the coming storm. Jesus described it as the birth pangs of what is to come. And and you and I need to know, how do we live our lives right now in the midst of that? And this has really been a powerful letter to go through. And I think you're going to see that it's, as we work through chapter 4 and into 5 of 1 Thessalonians, there's a lot more for you and I to grasp here. God is calling us to live a certain way. And we, we kind of saw that last week where Paul is praying that they would abound more and more. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, I I used the term last week for the issue of you and I abounding more and more, you and I thriving. God wants you and I to thrive in our Christian lives. And I think if we think about that for a moment, that's really what we want. Because for a lot of us, Christianity is simply just a belief. I hate to say that. But Christianity is meant to be so much more. Christianity is a relationship with the living God. And when that relationship is where it needs to be, you and I are going to thrive, even in the midst of hardship. So what I want to do as we begin this section, before we read verses 3 through 8, I want to kind of go back to verse 1. Because if you're going to understand what follows here in chapter 4 and chapter 5, you really need to follow what Paul is telling us in verse 1. And remember last week we talked about that, what that was where you and I need to live our lives to please God. Well, that's what he's going to be focusing on. He's going to be focusing on the different areas that we need to do to live in such a way that it pleases God. And I think you're going to be blown away by the very first area today. Because he's going to talk about pleasing God with your purity. And I'm going to explain what that means. Some of you already have an idea about what that means. But I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But what I want to do is really, again, focus on what is really important for you and I in our spiritual lives. Now listen to me. I want you to hear me. I just said this. What is really important? Because in Christian world, especially in our country, there are so many things and so many people trying to tell you what's really important. 
What's really important is doing this. What's really important is doing that. What's really important is this subject or that subject. Now let's, let's talk about what's really important according to God's word. And what's really important according to God's word has to do with you. And what happens with you because of your relationship with Christ. So look with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. Now, I'm just going to remind you of a couple points when we talk about what's really important. Here's the first one. We're called to thrive as believers. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Do you remember him saying that when you were reading through the Gospels? Now, typically, a lot of times when we read, we kind of just kind of, ooh, okay, that's interesting, and we move on to the next thing. But if you stop for a moment and you think about it, you're probably wondering, well, why isn't that true in my life, Jesus? Why isn't that true? Because I came to you, I wanted this new life, I'm told theologically that I have this new life, I'm a new creature in you, but I'm really not sensing that abundance now, but then there's these other guys who come along and they try to say to you, well, that abundance means a bigger paycheck, a fatter wallet, bigger bank accounts, bigger pension, an IRA, or, or retirement funds, or better health. That's all a bunch of baloney, folks. That's not what he's talking about. When he's talking about you having abundance in your life, he's talking about the kind of life you're living. He's talking about you and I thriving in our relationship in Christ. And you can thrive in your relationship in Christ and not have anything materially or economically. You can be in the worst situation and still thrive because you have Jesus. And you and I can thrive right now in the midst of the age of rage that we live in, in the midst of the chaos that's going on around us. You and I can thrive because we're called to that. That's really what's important. Folks, that's the important thing is you and I thriving in our relationship with Christ. And you say, okay, well, George, how do we thrive then? Because we understand thriving. Remember, I mentioned this to you before that we're talking about like with children, they're in an environment where they can thrive and and. and and find their potential, or if you're, if you're a gardener, you have the right conditions and water and sunlight and everything to, to have plants that thrive. How do you and I thrive? Well, he told us in this verse. Here's the second point I want you to see. The key to thriving is living to please God. It's who you're living your life for. If you and I are, are living our lives for ourselves, I can almost guarantee you we're not going to thrive. We are not going to thrive if what's driving us is our personal ambition, our selfishness. We're not going to thrive. But if you're living your life for the Lord, 
And when I say living your life for the Lord, I'm not just talking about doing certain things because you and I, a lot of you have been raised in church culture where living for the Lord means how much I'm giving, how much I'm attending. It's about living your life 24-7 for God at your workplace, in your home, by yourself, with your friends. It's being who you really are, Jesus, every day. Now, what follows which is where we come to verses 3 through 8. This is our first section. What, what follows when we talk about living to please God, remember I mentioned this to you last week, Paul then talks about the things that we're supposed to do in order to thrive, and, and he really breaks them down into several areas. He's going to talk about purity, which is what we're going to talk about today. He's going to talk about love. He's going to talk about hope. We're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about hope. And then he's going to talk about how we live our lives practically. And that's really comes to the end of 1 Thessalonians. All right, so here's the question before we proceed. The question is, do you really want to thrive? Do you really want to experience the abundant life, the spiritual life, the essence of who you really are as a child of God? Do you really want that? Do I really want that? Because if we want that, we're going to need to take serious the things that he's going to talk about here in a minute. And that first area has to do with our purity. What do you mean by purity, George? Your sexual purity. Because, folks, he's writing this letter to people who are living in Thessalonica, a Gentile world, a Greek world. And because it is a Gentile world, it is a sexualized, sensualized world. Kind of like where we are right now, right? Because everything in our culture is sexualized to the point that as believers, we have grown comfortable with it. And we almost expect it. But it's affecting us. And because of that, we're not thriving. So I want you to hear what he says. And this is him, the apostle, telling us what God wants. And it's very obvious when you read these verses. So notice with me verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, just as the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject men, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. All right, now folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these really important verses. Why would I say they're important? Well, he starts off telling you this is God's will. Let me just go ahead and say this to you. 
There are very few times in God's Word, Old and New Testament, where it just comes right out and says, this is his will. This passage is one of those few times. It's actually one of two times that he mentions what his will is in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to see another instance of that when we come to chapter 5. But so this is very, very important because let's be honest, we do live in a world that is sexualized. It is everywhere. It's on our TV. It's on our radio. What do you mean it's on our radio? You can't see anything on the radio. You don't have to see it to be sexualized. You can be hearing it. The innuendo, the, the crass situations that are presented that we laugh at, the jokes we tell, the jokes we hear. Everything is so gravitated around sexuality and you and I have become so comfortable with it we even have gotten to the place now where used to you couldn't even talk that way among other believers but now it's like commonplace so what we're going to do is is we're going to break our passage down into three sections we're going to see what our purpose is see Verse 3 is going to tell us what our purpose is. This is what you and I need to understand. Then we're going to talk about getting control. Get control of yourself, and then there's a warning. So let's talk about our purpose. We see that in verse 3. Look with me at verse 3. He says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, let me explain something to you. When we talk about sexual immorality, he is not just referring to the issue of fornication or adultery. He is talking about all sexual behavior, all things that are not reflective of what his will is, and that is that sex be reserved for the marriage relationship where it was created for that purpose. So here's what I want you to see, our purpose. Two things here. Number one, this is what God wants you and I to do. Bottom line, you don't need to go and wonder, well, I wonder what God wants me to do about this. No, no, you don't even need to ask that question. I don't even need to ask that question. It's very obvious. It's telling you right here, this is his will. We don't need to have a committee meeting to determine if this is the will of God. God's telling you it's the will of God. You don't need to ponder for a moment and, and search the scriptures and, and pray about it and say, God, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. He's telling you what to do. He's telling me what to do here. This is that obvious. It, he's trying to make it as obvious as possible concerning this issue. This isn't a gray area. Because you and I like to live in the gray areas. You and I like to live in the loopholes. There is no loophole here. He's telling us this is what he wants you and I to do. And the reason why he wants you and I to do, because this is our purpose. What do you mean our purpose? Well, here's my second point. He wants you and I to be holy in how we live our lives. He wants you and I to be holy. 
Now, what do I mean by holy? He wants us to be like a priest or, or some kind of holy man. Hmm. He wants us to, to dress a certain way, act a certain way, look a certain way. No, no, he's not talking about that. He wants you to live your life a certain way. What is that? Reflective of who you are in Jesus because you are a saint, a holy one. Because the holy one lives within you. Think about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit is within you. Who cannot tolerate sin, who cannot tolerate impurity, who if we were in his presence and we saw him, we would fall down as dead. That is what the scripture teaches, tells us continually when others have come in contact with the presence of God because of his holiness. We begin to realize our unworthiness as Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. But see, you've been made holy because of the blood of Jesus. And so when he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that word sanctification there means becoming Holy be as you are. And that's what's happening in our lives. We're becoming holy daily. We're being made into the image of Christ. We're being made into the image of who we will be when we go to be with Christ. See, this is our purpose. Do you understand? If you're going to thrive, and that's what we want to do. We want to please God. We've got to please God with our purity. And so he wants you and I to be holy in what and how we live and what we do. That's what's amazing here. So how do we do it? Well, you got to get control of yourself. you got to get control of yourself. Because let's be honest, when we talk about living in a sexualized world, that's really basically out there trying to entice you to sin. It's feeding your lusts and your strong desires. So here's a couple of points I want you to see. You must avoid all sexual sin. You've got to say no. Some of you need to shut down the internet. It's enslaved you. Some of you need to turn off the TV at the wrong time in the movie. What do I mean the wrong time in a movie? Seems for some reason that they got to throw that into everything now. Some of you need to quit laughing at the jokes and then turning around and sharing them with others. Some of you need to quit making crass statements to other people that have a sexual connotation. You've got to avoid it. You and I have to avoid it. You know, we, we talked about, let's just be honest, you, we talked about the examples of thriving and we talked about children and gardening. But let's take gardening for a second. You've got to have the right soil, you've got to have the right levels of minerals in the soil and the right sunlight and the right water and in order for a plant to thrive. What happens to that plant if I start giving it polluted water? You and I both know what's going to happen to that plant. That plant's not going to thrive. It might actually ultimately kill that plant. I'm telling you, folks, we live in a world, and some of us are intaking the stuff of this world, and it's garbage, and it's killing you. Oh, George, don't be a prude. You sound like, you sound like somebody. No, no, listen, folks, it's killing you. 
And you know that. I don't need to... You know because if you have the Spirit of God within you, He is convicting you about it. He is talking to you about it. You must avoid all sexual sin. In fact, he goes even further than that. Here's what he's telling you to do. He said the issue isn't that it's out there. Look, it's out there. In Thessalonica, it was out there. So how do we get people to stop it? Do we have more laws to get them to get this under control so all of us can be okay? The issue isn't how to control the garbage that is out there. The issue is how to control you. Look at what he says here in verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Verse 5, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. He's telling you and I not to live our lives like people who don't know Jesus who aren't in control. You need to be in control, getting control of yourself. So here's what you need. You have to know how to control your strong desires and live holy. You have to know how to control your strong desires. Because folks, they are strong desires. They're natural desires. You and I were created for sex. Do you understand that? That's a natural desire. But the channel for that desire is marriage. Not all these other things. And we do all these other things, there are consequences. And it's killing us. It's killing our relationships. It's killing our families. It's killing our culture. It's killing us. But we just need to eliminate that stuff, George. No, listen, you can eliminate that. You're still going to have a problem. Still going to have a problem. It's you getting a control of yourself and your desires. And God will help you to do that. Get control of yourself. So then we come to a warning, just so you understand that God takes this serious. So let me just tell you, what I'm expressing to you here is not just George's opinion. It's not just something that I would like you to consider. It's not just something that I would say, hey, let's raise a hand. How many of you make a commitment to want to do something about this this week? No, no, folks, you've got to make a decision about this. You have to make a decision because God is serious about this. He's telling you, this is my will. This is what I want you to do. There's no, no loophole here. There's no backdoor situation that you can find yourself in where you're allowed to do this. He's telling you, you've got to do it because here's what he's saying to you. He's giving you a warning. So notice with me what he says here. Verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. I've got two final things I want to show you from this passage. Some of you need to listen to the first one. Stop defrauding others because God will deal with you. Did you hear me? Listen to what he says. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such 
as we also forewarned you and testify. So can I be honest with you, Facebook people? Quit posting that image with that crass statement that has that sexual connotation because you're responsible. You are defrauding people. Well, somebody sent it to me, George. Then kill it right there and don't send it any further. Some of you are, are getting maybe in family groups and, and, and sometimes in family groups we let our hair down and we're talking about things we shouldn't talk about and we're defrauding somebody else in the family unit with the kind of talk that we're talking about, especially if you're married and you're talking about it and you're doing it in front of single people. Stop it. You're defrauding them. Some of you have stuff around your home and you're defrauding your children. You say, oh, I'm trying to keep it away from them. Look, folks, they sometimes find it, don't they? You're defrauding them. Stop it. Why? Why do I need to do that? Because God says he is the avenger. And he'll deal with you. Well, I'm saved. I'm okay. Listen, I'm going to explain something to you, folks. You need to grasp this reality. Salvation is not an excuse for sin. He still whips his children. He will deal with you. He will deal with me. That's reality. We need to wake up to that. Somehow we've been lulled into sleep about, oh, Jesus is so loving and wonderful, and he is. Well, I can just do what I want to. No, you can't. Well, why can't I? Because he wants you and I to thrive. And so he has set these boundaries. Isn't that what a loving parent does? A loving parent sets boundaries for their children as they are nurtured to become adults. He has set these boundaries in our lives. And he says, when you cross these boundaries, this is what happens. And then he says one more thing in his warning. He says this. God has called us to be different, and choosing not to is the same as rejecting him. He's called us to be different. And when you and I decide, nah, I don't want to do that, you're rejecting him. Look, here's the reality. We live in a culture of options. So when you get a phone, it can be red, it can be white, it can be black. There's some ones you can get green. If you don't like the color of your phone, then you can buy a case. If you're looking for a case, I was looking for a case yesterday with one of my family members, and we're looking for the model, and there's 10,000 options. Wow, spend a lot of time looking for a case with those kind of options. We live in a thing of options, and so we think that, well, I could just bring that over into my Christianity options. And so, Jesus, I know you say this is what you want me to do, but that's just an option. Here's what he's telling you to you understand this is not an option i want you to be holy i want you to live as the person you are in jesus because if you decide you don't want to do that you're rejecting me whoa what do you mean i'm rejecting him i love jesus no no you're rejecting him you maybe love your concept of jesus but that's not who jesus is jesus is the one who's telling you to stop that He's telling me to stop that. 
So God has called us to be different from our culture that is sexualized, that is sensual, that is defrauding people. He's called us to be different. And if you and I choose to think, oh, well, you know, I don't have to do that. I can just, I mean, I, I don't want to be different. I want to be like everybody else. You know, I want to have Jesus and be like everybody else. You can't have Jesus and be like everybody else, folks. You can't. You're called to be different. And if you reject that, choose not to do that, you're rejecting him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.